This episode is brought to you by Roster Up Media, your home for tangible insights on the NFL and fantasy football. Head to rosterupmedia.com for more. If you love football, you'll love Roster Up. What's up, guys? James here for the Jet Up Podcast, part of the Roster Up Media Network. We're 0 1. And before I start this podcast, I just want to take a minute, stop what we're doing, just breathe for a second, deep breath, relax. We have played one game of football with our backup QB against a playoff caliber Ravens team. Let's slow down a little bit here with our expectations. Yes, there were reasons to be upset, but it's not time to call for a new coach or a new GM after one game. Not until more of the season plays out. So, with that said, we can get into some of the things that we did and did not like about this Sunday's game. Let's do that now. All right, let's get into it. So, like I said in the intro, we need to just relax for a second here. I know it was a disappointing game, really boring to watch if you're a fan of this team. Obviously, I am, and it was a snoozer for the Jets' offense, but there were some positives that I think we need to address when looking at Sunday's game against the Ravens. Um, so, we're going to do a little bit of a recap. We're going to go through some of what went well, what didn't go so well, uh, and then get into this coming week against the Browns and what we should expect going into that game. Um, So looking back at week one, so what went well, I tweeted this out, the new faces. I think guys like Sauce, uh, DJ Reed did really well at their spots. DJ Reed had a pick, Sauce locked up uh, his guy. It was really not where the damage was done against us from the Ravens' standpoint. Um, There were other areas of the field that we struggled on as the game went on. But Sauce made a great play against Mark Andrews to stop what it would have been a touchdown. DJ Reed had a great pick and then honored his father who had passed away. Really cool stuff. Um, obviously, feel for him. Um, we saw some other guys like Jermaine Johnson who got a half sack. Quinnen Williams had a sack. Um, so there weren't, it wasn't all po- uh, negatives. Um, and we saw some of the new guys like Kawan Alexander, Carl Lawson put a lot of pressure on the Ravens' offense. Um, So I was actually really excited by the defense. I think they played really well. Uh, The rankings we'll talk about in a little bit were actually really good for the Jets defense. Uh, They were really bad last year, so it was good to see an encouraging uh, game from them where they came out and actually played good football for most of the game. A lot of what happened was you're asking them to put everything on their back for far too long. So I think ultimately they did really well. Uh, We saw Garrett Wilson. He was another positive for the game in terms of how he played. Um, And like I said, the pass rush was good too. Uh, Jordan Whitehead looked pretty good out there as well. So I think these new faces, I think that was what I was excited to see as a fan. Uh, And it was something that I felt was worth mentioning despite having a lackluster result as far as the score goes. Um, So that's what I thought went well. What went wrong? Probably more. Uh, one of the the most you know prominent thing in my opinion that went wrong was Joe Flacco, um, basically just immobile, not decisive. We'll talk more about him later, but I'm calling him Cement Feet Joe Flacco going forward because he takes a slow drop with his heavy cement feet 
and then just stands there and just doesn't move. And it's really not how the game is played anymore, especially with an O-line um, that's still looking how to gel, uh, look, you know, figuring out how to gel as a unit. You can't have a quarterback that just stands there. Um, you got to have a little bit more presence, awareness, movement throughout the pocket, rolling out, things like that. Things that I think Zach Wilson does possess um, to some level that we will hopefully see very soon. Um, the decision has been made to start Flacco this coming week. A lot of fans are upset about this. I think um, it's not a decision I was surprised by. Um, it's just one of those decisions where you go, well, that's the boring answer. Flacco starting, you know, put the guy out there who's the veteran, um, who has more experience, who has, you know, time in this system um, and has had some success in the past. However, I do think it's kind of a lame move in the sense that it, the fan base um, is not going to be excited to see him play. The results last week were so abysmal from him that I think, you know, it wouldn't hurt to try another option as we wait for our starting quarterback to come back. It's not like we're trying to find out if Joe Flacco is the guy. He's not the guy. So why is he going out there when he showed ultimately nothing last week uh, other than garbage time stats? Um, so I think it hurts the fan base's outlook on the coaches because we say, do something different. You just lost a game that was probably actually somewhat winnable based on how the defense played. So um, I understand the frustration there. At the same time, do I think Mike White is going to make a huge difference? Probably not. Streveler would have been kind of fun to watch, but he's never going to start for this team based on what we've seen uh, from how the coaches feel about him. So it's not a shocker to me that Flacco is going to start this week, but he obviously had a rough game against the Ravens um, and his age really showed throughout. Um, I think one of the, another thing that went wrong for the, the game against the Ravens was coaching. And we'll talk more about it, but you know, benching, not benching, but not not starting or or giving significant reps to your first round rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson, um, and to your uh, top, you know, the best running back on your team uh, for many years now, Brees Hall, um, to just go, oh, we're just gonna give them limited roles and try these other things. There were some encouraging things Salah said later in interviews that makes me think that won't be the case going forward, but we will see. And then obviously special teams didn't have the best day. I believe there was a missed kick and a missed extra point, uh, a bad punt. Um, so they are looking a little shaky right now. People are missing Eddie Pinheiro. Um, I would say caution. It's game one. Greg Zerline's a proven kicker. I think he'll be okay. Um, but we will see. Obviously did not have a good day Sunday. Um, and then just looking at some of the other issues, I think, you know, same results, ultimately. A new year, same results. A um, lot of new talent out there. The Jets were absolutely better on that field than they've been in the past in terms of talent, uh, but the result was the same. Uh, an uncompetitive game and a loss. And I think Jets fans, unfortunately, we've lowered the bar to the point where all we're asking for is a competitive four quarters. And sometimes we don't even ask for a win. We just want to be in the game. We just want a, an exciting game, something that's showing improvement in this team, in this culture. And to, to just not get that in week one is pretty deflating. Um, it, it discourages fans like myself from wanting to even go to the stadium and watch this team and pay to watch them. Um, you know, so I hope that changes. I think it will. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to be positive here. 
Um, but at the same time, it was a rough one uh, on Sunday uh, for a lot of reasons. So we want a little bit more excitement. Let's get it. Uh, and that is segment one. So now we'll move into a preview of the Browns game. All right, week two. So the Jets are 0-1, um, going to face the Cleveland Browns, Jacoby Brissett. Um, they're 1-0, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big believer in the Browns this year because of their quarterback situation. Uh, however, they do have some threats that I think we need to be uh, paying attention to. Um, and, and one of those threats, the most obvious, is Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett is a top five pass rusher in the NFL. Um, that's no joke. He has manhandled our offensive lines in the past. Remember the Kelvin Beecham game? He just destroyed him all night uh, on, I think it was Monday Night Football. That was rough to watch. Um, so this week, uh, I don't know that it'll be super different. I think, you know, we're, we're slightly better on the O-line and um, George Fant will probably have that assignment. And God bless that man. Um, I hope he's strong because he's going to need to be. Um, so, you know, ho- hoping he can at least slow down Miles Garrett, maybe get some tight end help. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately, I think there's going to be a few approaches that I'll talk about in a little bit as to the keys to our offense being successful against them. Um, but in a lot of people's minds, this is a winnable game. I think I agree. Um, I think for me, it's going to come down to improvements in areas that we, we mentioned, um, and stopping some of the Browns' strengths, one of those things being the run game and, and their running backs in general. Nick Chubb, I think, is is always one of my favorite running backs in the league. He's, to me, one of the most pure rushers there is on, uh, in this league. And then you have Kareem Hunt, who is really versatile. They basically have two RB1s on their team um, that can both play a variety of roles in the offense. Um, so I think we struggle sometimes with that. We show that a, a pretty good showing against the Ravens uh, who are really one of the best running teams in the league this past Sunday. Um, and I, that was encouraging. So I think for me, that was a big concern I had going into the Ravens game was, are we going to be able to contain their run game? And we did, um, you know, so I think that's my question this week is, can we continue that success against Chubb and hunt um, as we face the Browns? I think if we do, we'll be in a good place. Uh, again, from a defensive standpoint. And then some of the biggest question marks for them, Jacoby Brissett, I think he's he's going to be starting. He had a, a pretty pedestrian game, uh, looking at his stats now, 18 for 34 for 147 yards and a touchdown. Um, so pretty boring, pretty lackluster, um, but no no turnovers, which was you know good for him. Um, so hopefully we can force some turnovers this week. Um, sort of stop that run game, make Jacoby Brissett beat you, I think we'll be okay if that's the that's what we actually cause them to do. Um, I think the Jets defense can definitely hold up at this point against a player like Jacoby Brissett. He is by no means an elite quarterback. We should be okay there. And then looking at the Jets side of the ball, I think as we, we go into this week, we have to look at some of those positives again and hope to continue to build off those. So the Jets defense, I mentioned, had a really good week last week. Need to see more of that this week. It was their one of their biggest weaknesses last year. Um, but looking at a tweet here from Brian Costello, the Jets defensive rankings after week one. Uh, in total for the NFL, they are the eighth ranked defense. 
they are third against the run. Like I said last week, they had a really good uh, week against the run. Um, that will be integral this week against a great running team in the Browns. And then they were 14th against the pass, which is right in the middle of the pack. So clearly these additions to the defense are making an impact. Um, you know, Lamar is not uh, the best passer in the world, but he's an elite quarterback. And the Jets held him uh, to very pedestrian stats for Lamar Jackson uh, or any quarterback in week one. I think that they need to just carry this over into week two. Um, so those new faces just need to continue to show up every week, continue to gel and show that we have made improvements there. Um, biggest issues I see again are, are rolling Flacco out there against an elite pass rush in the Browns. Um, a player like, like Flacco is not going to show a ton of mobility when Miles Garrett and some of these guys come after him. Um, so, uh, you know, some of the keys I'll mention later are about getting rid of the ball, um, you know, really early because he showed a lot of indecisiveness last week, even though he, he had slow dropbacks, stayed in the pocket very, um, you know, long. He also just held on to the ball a lot. Can't do that in the NFL. And we do not have an elite O-line right now with Makai Becton out for the year and Dwayne Brown out. You know, we just need to have a little bit more urgency out of our quarterback going forward. So hoping Flacco can, you know, make adjustments to his game, that Mike LaFleur can scheme it up a little bit better so that he's not holding onto the ball super long. I think if you have your best weapons in there, you're going to have open receivers. Um, so that's my next point here is an issue we had last week that I think we need to fix is we did not use our best weapons in week one. And as, as Ryan, who is my co-host said um, afterwards, he said, stop trying to be the smartest guy in the room, just play your best guys. And this is something that I think a lot of coaches fall into the trap of trying to outsmart the other team by not always putting the ball in the hands of the best players, but trying to use other guys and, you know, getting cute with it. The Jets don't have the ability to do that. We have to utilize this new talent. Brees Hall is a, is a really, really talented running back. And he did not get a lot of carries last week or a lot of snaps. Um, Mike, you know, Mike Carter's good, but Brees Hall is better. They need to both at least be in there more often uh, and be touching the ball more often. We threw the ball 59 times last week. Um, just, just not okay. We need to be running the ball more, establishing the run um, so that it can open up some of the pass. And then Garrett Wilson, we'll talk about him in our next segment, um, but ultimately just criminal that he was on the sidelines for most of that first half. Um, we did see some encouraging comments, like I mentioned from Sala about not doing that again. Um, that man is a first round pick. He is extremely talented. And we saw it for the limited action he got. I think only four targets, um, and he made the most of those. So need to get him in the game. He will absolutely get open. He has great separation ability. Has to be in there to give Flacco a chance uh, to actually succeed. And then just really the O-line. I think this is one thing I'm really worried about. Um, wasn't something I was super worried about, but ultimately the shuffling of the O-line, moving Fant from left to right to left, um, having new guys in there like Lakin Tomlinson, uh, it's causing some gelling issues. Uh, Lakin allowed seven hurries last week, which is not acceptable for a player of his caliber um, against what was not really an elite pass rush in the Ravens. Um, the Ravens looked a lot more elite last week than they should have from a pass rush standpoint. 
And we saw George Fant getting beat multiple times um, against the Ravens. I think he's a better left tackle than he is a right tackle, but he moved back to left with like three days left before the game, um, just causing problems for him. Need to see uh, his, his improvement this week. Hopefully a full week of practice at left tackle um, will help him to get back into that groove. It's a very different position than right tackle. Um, it's not easy to switch back and forth as much as people say it is. Uh, it's different. It's like trying to write lefty instead of righty. You have to really, you know, really think about it. So I think he just needs to get those reps in and it'll be okay. Um, hope he gets help against someone like a Garrett this week. Some of my biggest questions going into this game is will Mike LaFleur make the necessary play calling and personnel adjustments. Um, we have to start using some some more creative play calling that we saw last year from him. We have to make sure the personnel is the most talented group, regardless of who has the biggest contract, Corey Davis or, or Berrios. You may have more talent than some of the younger guys, um, like Elijah Moore, like Garrett Wilson, like Brees Hall. Make sure that those guys are out there if they are not fans will really start to question this coaching uh, at a deep level. My next question is, will that O-line start communicating better and gelling better? I've mentioned this. They need to start syncing up as a unit. Um, I watched a few plays um, where I was just keying in on certain guys. uh, And sometimes those guys just dominated their guy. But as a unit, how are they going to look? You know, we have AVT. Um, out there, Max Mitchell's a young guy. He looked like he held up last week from in his first start of his career as a rookie. Uh, we're asking a lot of him, so the veterans have to step up. I think that's that's what we need. We don't we need guys like Max Mitchell Mitchell to be the one that's struggling out there, not Lakin Tomlinson and George Fant. Um, so I, I think it's you know we need the givens to be a given and, and the question marks to to show up or or you know hopefully exceed expectations. So I think that's a big question I have going into this week. Uh, and then my third question here is, will the Jets D to continue to show that progress, continue to um, hold up against the run, uh, to get after the quarterback? I think we'll see a few more sacks this week, probably from someone like a Lawson. Um, because last week, Lawson was, was getting a ton of pressure on Lamar. Um, Lamar is just Lamar. And I think, you know, he's always going to avoid the pressure better than most quarterbacks. So I think, you know, we saw the Jets D-line really bullying the Ravens O-line last week, but Lamar just getting out of it. Um, so I think we'll see a few more sacks this week against the Jacoby Brissett. Um, so I expect that to continue. But will the Jets O give the D some help? Can't rely on your defense all game. They can only hold up so long. It's like the bend but don't break mentality, but eventually you break. So you need to have some help from your offense. That's the end of segment two. Segment three, we're going to jump into our Twitter mailbag. Um, So we had a couple questions here from from Twitter. Um, I'll try to answer them as best I can. Didn't have a ton of time to dive into some of the the more detailed stats. Um, But our first question comes from Charles Leone Jr. at C. Leone Jr. Uh, His question is, why did the Jets call so many five and seven step drops? And on average, how long did Flacco hold the ball? Um, so I would say I, I don't have the exact numbers on how long Flacco held the ball uh, during this game. But clearly, based on my earlier comments, it was too long. Um, I, watching even some of the times he was sacked, 
Uh, it was just a, a lack of decision-making, really not, not finding his guys who were open, um, you know, trying to get rid of ball too quick instead of looking downfield. Um, I, I, he missed a few times where he had Garrett Wilson open near the end zone and just didn't see him. Um, I don't know what's going on there. If his age is just showing, but clearly was taking too much time. Uh, so hoping Mike LaFleur schemes up a little bit simpler of a game plan for him to just get rid of the ball quickly. Um, so hopefully we see that. I don't know why there were so many five and seven step drops with a guy who takes a, a three step drop slower than a seven step drop. I mean, Joe Flacco's legs were moving like he had never used legs before. Um, it, it was, it was pretty embarrassing to watch um, him take a drop and, and he looked extremely old. So I think they need to play more to his strengths. Um, we need to rely a little bit more on the run game. Um, we need to get get more of those sweeps going. Um, we need to get uh, him getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, you know, shotgun may help him a little bit. I think he just looks slow. Um, but we need to start incorporating some of the, the aspects of Mike LaFleur's playbook um, that will help Joe Flacco a little bit more. So I think this is a really good question. I, I wish I had a little bit more detailed of an answer on the pass pro aspect. Um, but ultimately... Joe Flacco, the way that he was coached in this game was just not helpful for his age and his abilities right now in his career. Um, I think we need to limit his time in the pocket, limit his time getting to a position where he can throw the ball with these deeper drops. Um, so I see Mike LaFleur hopefully making those adjustments this week uh, in uh, the, the Browns game. Next question comes from Jacob at Polish Hammer 2 uh, why the hell wasn't Garrett Wilson given the ball more? Uh, and what's up with the play calling in general? So I think this was the question of everybody. Um, you know, wh what was Garrett Wilson doing not in the game? Uh, Rob Sala had said they were going more with those two tight end packages early on. They were trying to do some other things. Um, and ultimately, that did not work very well. And then ultimately, they switched at halftime to get Garrett Wilson in the game more. Um, but it's a great question because I think we're saying Garrett Wilson's a first round draft pick 10th overall should never be watching from the sidelines unless he needs a water break. It just does not make sense why he would be in, uh, not in the game at all times. I do not care how much you're paying Corey Davis. I do not care how much you're paying Braxton Berrios. Garrett Wilson is a much better receiver than the both of them. Um, he can, he can get deep. He, he makes guys just fall over with his route running. Um, Corey Davis, this is the end for him this year. I think with the New York jets love Corey Davis. I think he's a great guy, um, has had some, some flashes of talent in his career and he's a good veteran presence in that wide receiver room. But Garrett Wilson's a better football player than Corey Davis. Um, and he's going to be better than Corey Davis. Um, it's time to get him more reps, sometimes at the expense of Corey Davis. Um, I think most fans will be okay with that. Um, I'd rather have Corey Davis coming off the bench than Garrett Wilson. You need to put your best players out there. The Jets cannot afford to bench talent. They just can't. We're not good enough. We have not proven it that, that we can rest these guys or, or play in a competitive football game without them. Um, so get Garrett Wilson on the field. Um, I, I assume he will this week based on some of the issues that they had last week when he was not in the game. He clearly showed some amazing ability to move with the ball after the catch. Um, he can get open. 
um, and he's got a lot of heart. I think him and Elijah Moore are going to be a great duo for a long, a long time, um, and it just makes no sense for them to not be in the game at the same time together. So I do see that changing this week, and like I said, I do see the play calling changing a little bit, hopefully to help Flacco get the ball into these guys' hands quicker. I did run a poll that I want to mention on Twitter. Um, it was how much of the NFL's of an NFL game's outcome comes down to coaching versus the players. So this started out really interesting. I was watching it um, unfold, and initially, coaching was dominating. It was most of the early answers were that coaching was more important than the players by a long shot. Um, I kind of was not sure about that. And and we saw the results ultimately shift a little bit um, to 50-50 was, was the winner. Um, and second place was that, coach, that the players made uh, more of an impact than the coaches. And third place was that the coaches made more of an impact than the players. Um, so I think ultimately I, I pretty much agree with the result. Um, I do think that coaches play, and someone mentioned this, coaches in the NFL play a much bigger impact on the outcome of the game than coaches in some of the other professional uh, sports leagues. Um, just the way that they scheme up their their teams, uh, their offense, their defense, um, the way that they prepare for the opposing team, it's just different. So it's like another level here. They have to think of so many aspects um, of another team. So I do think that that's true, uh, that coaches in the NFL probably have a bigger impact than most people would give them credit for. At the same time, I do fall a little bit more on the side of, of player talent. I think ultimately, if you have more talent, you can overcome bad coaching to a degree. So I think coaching is always going to play a part. There's never going to be a scenario where I say the coaches don't matter. Um, I do think that we saw some of the issues with coaching this past Sunday. When you have a team that's not quite as good or as elite as some of these other teams in the league, like the Jets, um, at this point in time, your coaching is going to play a bigger impact on the the outcome of the game than for a team that's super elite because the, they can rely a little bit more on their talent, whereas with the Jets, you have to rely on the coaches putting them in the best position to succeed. It's not a team of veterans, guys like Tom Brady, who can change up the plays, who can read something a little bit deeper than maybe someone on the Jets can and make an adjustment. Um, these guys are relying a little bit more on the coaches to do that for them. Um, so I think for us, it does matter more. So the answer of 50-50 with the Jets, I think is correct. I think with us, it's it's more of a 50-50 split in terms of the impact on the game, coaches and players. Um, another comment was saying to that post that the, to that poll, that the, when bad teams play bad teams, that's where the coaching really matters. So I, I do agree with that completely. I think, you know, when you have uh, a pretty even matchup, the coaches are what make the difference. So appreciate everybody's responses on that. Um, really good answers um, from a lot of people uh, in context. So appreciate you guys on that one. Now, moving on from segment three to segment four. Uh, so flying forward, um, got a game this weekend. We've talked about it a little bit. Uh, for me, going to give you guys my keys to success for the New York Jets this weekend. I think this is a winnable game, but it is not a W on the schedule until we show we can improve from last week. So the keys to success for me are to slow down the Browns pass rushers. I mentioned this earlier. 
You can do that with a quick passing game. You can do that with a run game. These things are going to help establish some of what you do on offense. Do not rely on those deep dropbacks, as that Twitter comment was mentioning. It's not going to work with a Joe Flacco-led offense with elite pass rushers. Um, Have to slow them down. Have to cause them to not rush free by having some of these other things in place, uh, such as play action, sweeps, screens, things like that, that always have them kind of in the back of their mind going, can I go full tilt rush right now? Or do I have to read this a little bit deeper, which can cost them a second or two and cause us to make a play. My next key to success is get the run game going uh, to establish play action. So I've mentioned the run game, but the run game typically is used to establish something. So play action is something we barely saw from Joe Flacco uh, on Sunday against the Ravens. Um, it's something that I think he can do well. Um, so, you know, he has a big arm still. Um, I think he, he needs to be given opportunities to uh, not have a ton of pass rushers in his face. And you can do that by having the run established, you know, running play action, getting a nice clean pocket for yourself to throw the ball deep to some of your more talented players. I think we have to do that this week. We saw a lot of teams this weekend succeed with play action something the Jets absolutely have to commit to um, or they're not going to be successful. My next key to success is utilize that sweep motion uh, to get the ball in your hand uh, in the hands of your players in, in space. So guys like Braxton Berrios, guys like Elijah Moore, you know, use some of those sweeps. We saw it last year from LaFleur. Not sure why that was not really a part of the game plan against the Ravens. Um, I think you have a lot of quickness on the Jets between Berrios more Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Michael Carter. These guys can all really move and get upfield, and, and they're just quick. So utilize some of that sweep uh, action. I think, you know, something we need to see this weekend from Mike LaFleur. Um, I did want to mention I love this comment. Uh, so Peyton Manning kind of took shots at the Jets, a one shot at the Jets during the Monday Night Football broadcast um, where he said, you, you know, the Jets threw 59 times in, in their first in their opener with a backup quarterback. Um, you know, not a, not a recipe for success. A lot of Jets fans were, were rubbed the wrong way here. I think Peyton ultimately is right though. You know, as much as you, you want to not like that he's taking a jab at the Jets, Peyton Manning knows what he's talking about. He's Peyton Manning. Um, except for the Adam Gase recommendation. I think that was just him doing a favor for his friend. Uh, Peyton Manning's a, a great football mind. You can just tell by the way he talks on that Monday night football broadcast. Um, just not a recipe for success to throw that many times in your opener with your backup. So like I mentioned, some of those other aspects of the game, we got to incorporate. Um, but I did love this comment from him, not the comment I just mentioned, but this comment, he says, when thinking about every drive, we don't even need to get to third down, first down, second down, first down. So I really love this comment from him. It just kind of is not how the Jets have played football for the longest time. We kind of look at every single uh, series as let's utilize all of our downs here to get 10 yards. Now, sometimes, obviously, that's not the case. We throw the ball downfield a little bit, but it just feels like every single play is designed for just a few yards, just a few yards to get to that point. Um, what Peyton is saying is like, look at it as forget about third down. We're not even going to get there. We're going to look at it as it's first down, it's second down, it's first down again. So we want to utilize those first two downs. Um, more effectively to push the ball. Um, so I, I like that comment from him. I think it's a good mentality just in general for the Jets to start adopting. 
Uh, and then my third, my last key to success for the Jets here is commit to stopping the Browns' run game and their screen game. They have really talented backs and Chubb, who's going to just run the ball really well no matter what we do. Uh, we just got to slow that down a little bit. Um, I think we can, but uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a key to success for me. And then the screen game, we always seem to struggle against this. Uh, Kareem Hunt is excellent as a screen uh, running back. Um, he's going to get that kind of action, and he's he's really a talented guy. So um, we, we have to commit to stopping that. I hope that's part of our practice and prep this week is to stop the screen game. All right, so what's my score prediction? We're leading into Sunday. You know, today is Wednesday uh, that I'm recording this show. Joe Flacco under center. <clears throat> I think this will be a good game. I, I think we're going to make the, the necessary adjustments. I have a positive outlook because I just have to at this point. But my my score prediction for this game is 24-17 Jets. I think the Jets are going to get a W. I think they're going to figure it out. If their defense shows up like it did last week and LaFleur makes the necessary adjustments so that the ball is not just sitting in Flacco's hand in the pocket for too long, I think the Jets will get moving earlier uh, and, and often. So I do see them potentially actually winning this game. All right. Last thing I just want to talk about here is the future. I think, you know, as we go to this week and beyond, just some key things. Oh, just praying Zach Wilson is the guy, man. I hope he's the guy we hope he is. You know, I I was saying this week, he's going to probably need to become more than a game manager if the Jets ever want to actually make a real run. Um, He must become a star. Period. Nothing less. And I don't think that's too much to ask based on where he was drafted. We see a lot of these guys that are drafted early on. Even some guys that are drafted not early on become these stars that lead their team to success. Zach can't just be a guy that gets in there and doesn't make mistakes. I don't like that take. I don't like that that approach. That He just has to not make mistakes. That's not why we drafted him at number two overall. We drafted him to be a star, to eventually become a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback who can take the Jets to the next level. The goal, not this year necessarily, but future years, is to win a Super Bowl. I don't see the Jets doing that. Zach is just a game manager. Excuse me. So, are we a more talented football team? I think we are than we've been. Based on some of the things we saw Sunday against the Ravens, I do believe we are without a doubt a more talented football team than in recent years. We just have to start gelling more and really start putting it together into real success, <clears throat> which is wins and losses. Robert Sala. I've been mixed things about him this week. I like Robert Sala. I like Joe Douglas. I like what they've done. I like their philosophy. I like their approach. At the same time, Wins and losses are going to determine their story. This is their team. It's time for them to have results. Go win a damn football game. That's all I'm going to say. Tired of talking. Tired of the great philosophy. It's wonderful. I'm really happy we have it. Doesn't matter if we don't win football games. That's what the NFL is all about. Figure it out. And we will love you for it when you do it. With that, I'd just like to say go Jets. Jet up. All gas, no break, and we'll see you next time. Let's go win a football game. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Jet Up. Remember to go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter at JetUpPod. This episode is brought to you by Roster Up Media, where football meets data. Head to rosterupmedia.com for more great NFL content.